Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Turning round to a new noise. Unfamiliar words and misshapen voids. We wait till acknowledgement sets in, but if it doesn't come, thoughts start to spin. Elasticated questions, the mind is in elections, birthing out of control, I don't know which way to go, they're against me and they want me to fail, and when I call them, they ignore me and my heart grows pale. In a hurt caused by unnecessary observation, life, anger and approximation, unknown outside, but inside they can sense, and it's lost, lonely and brokenness. Then in comes grace, and I don't deserve this. Creating a path through the wilderness of thoughts, praying on love, my mind gets caught on the goodness of positive expectation that is hope. Falling over and I just get back up. People say stuff and I just wrap up in words of love, hope and peace. In words of love, hope and peace. In words of love, hope and peace. And now I, and now I realise I can't live this life by myself. Feeling so confident at times and then distraught in my health. I wonder if I could ever believe that purpose, peace and hope follow me. Living a lifestyle, writing in pencil, writing out good and rubbing out bad. I will cling to this purpose. Despite everything, pure grace has come and I don't deserve this. Thank you. wasn't that great I feel like Lady in the Tramp with you two opposite each other where's the spaghetti so I'm really excited for tonight and I just want to sum up really quickly actually before we go the reason that we sat around a table because as Annie's touched on slightly already that Jay and Helen are a, a big uh, part of our lives, a big part of our marriage, a big part of our friendship, and some of the most amazing conversations we've had have been around a table, and we believe here that life change happens not necessarily in rows, it happens around tables in circles. <clears throat> so, hence why we're, we're here, you guys have sat around tables, the whole, the whole idea is just to be relaxed, like we're having a conversation, and I just also wanted to, to, to honour these two in in publicly really so Jay and Helen have, have always brought friendship they've always brought stability my our favorite thing about you guys is that you you always draw people you never push them away and above that you don't draw people to yourself you draw them and point them to Jesus and that is a, an amazing quality so just a big thank you publicly from Annie and myself just for that so I wonder whether you could honor Jay and Helen as well just for everything that they've done in our lives So, aside from being the best-looking couple in Nottingham tonight, <laughs> tell us a bit about yourselves, Helen. <laughs> Thanks for that, John. We weren't expecting that. Thank you. Um, so, Jay and I have been married f- for nearly 10 years. Um, I said that about 
a year and a half ago on stage. <laughs> it wasn't 10 years then. Um, but it is this year, 10 years this year. Um, and we have the privilege and honour and absolute blessing to be parents to two lovely boys. And um, we have been part of Arena Church for about five years. We moved to Nottingham five years ago on Valentine's Day. <laughs> We're so romantic, aren't we? And um, <clears throat> before that, we lived in Coventry and we were part of a church there and we actually met at church and that being part of that, that church and being in Coventry is quite a big part of really how we both came into relationship with Christ um, and how we met. Yeah, um, it's just, yeah, 10 years has just flown by so quick. Um, and I still feel like I'm just getting he's, to know... he's been enjoying it. <laughs> we, we, we're really happy. <laughs> yeah, what my wife says. Um, <laughs> uh, it's just been, yeah, so that time in Coventry, particularly when we first kind of uh, got together, it was a really strange uh, kind, of, kind of time because I was... Um, I'd become a Christian from a different religion and I... I, I um, yeah, I was with the church for about a year doing a kind of internship uh, work and then um, I went on a mission trip to Romania for a while and then uh, towards the end, this is to, to, I think 2007, and then um, my, uh, I got a call uh, from, well, uh, my family told me, basically my auntie died uh, in America in the States. I was really close to her and she died while giving... She, she, it was quite horrific that she died while giving birth to, to a child and she died and the child died and, and I flew over to America with, uh, and to be around the family to, to be around that comfort and that was a real tough time real wilderness time for me but coming back eventually I was going to stay in America but I felt there were so many promptings to come back to the UK and then I felt God speak to me so clearly about that and then my first day uh, first time back to the UK first time back to that church that's the day when Helen's first day was there and one of the conditions I said to God was, um, God, I'm only going back to the UK, because California, oh, it's beautiful if you've been there. What, California to Coventry, I don't know what you choose, but, <laughs> but California every time. Um, yeah, I, the, the thing I said to God was, God, I'll go if you give me a wife, and then I met Helen that, that, uh, that Sunday, and I didn't know that that was her first Sunday. And then eventually, it took me about six, seven, eight months to actually speak to her, because she's super confident and I'm super shy. And... And it was, yeah, it was so awkward. We won't go into the whole details of how <laughs> it was awkward. But yeah, it was just really like, yeah, yeah. So that's a bit of that. That's us. great. No, brilliant. So I'm always impacted by your spoken word, Jay, because it, it's almost like you wear your heart on your sleeve and it comes from reality. And you can literally almost feel the battles that you have. And I think that, that actually draws people to you because of that. Where did all this spoken word start? How did it all come out? Um, so, uh, poetry, um, first, I, I think I wrote my first poem when I was about six or seven, and the lines were, I think I just listened to a John Lennon track, the Imagine one. So I, I, I wrote, imagine purple, imagine red, imagine if the sky was dead. That's how, <laughs> that's how excited, I was, I was depressed when I was seven. I don't know what's wrong. I don't know what's wrong. So, I, <coughs> I wrote this poem, but then it ended with um, uh, something to do with and the whole world holding hands, and then the teacher put it up on the wall, and I remember like, oh, this is, this is an achievement here, so this is cool. So that started seven, but then I only started writing properly um, 
when I became a Christian, if I'll be honest with you, I, I was heavy into rap music, but for lyrics, for words, the power of words, it started with an artist that I grew up with, uh, that my dad would play his songs in the car, and it's an artist called Don McLean, if you've ever heard of yeah. Don McLean. And the words that he would use, I remember my dad would just say to me, like, um, listen to his words, listen to what he's saying. And um, I was just impacted, like, how the words would make an impact in a song. And my love for words came from probably from that thing. And I, I think that song, Killing Me Softly, was written about him. I'm not sure if that's, the, you know, the famous song, Killing Me Softly, with his words. I think it was written about Don McLean. I'm not entirely sure. But for me, it's just a beautiful... Yeah, so, so I got the love for, for poetry for, through that. And then I started writing when I was a Christian. I wrote a couple of raps. I wanted to be a rapper. I wanted to, rap, I wanted to just be really cool. So I wrote these really cheesy raps. So it was a cold night back in December. When I gave my life to Jesus, I remember. That's how, that's how it starts. Yeah, do you like that? Yes. It's just... I actually know that rap as well. So imagine the two of us doing that together. No. Oh. <laughs> we should get that at the end. I think we should get that right. Should do, it. do it. I need a beat. I need a... Yeah. I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll, I'll do it, I'll encore at the end, don't worry, I'll, go I'll sit back down and you say, go on, keep going. <laughs> okay, so, um, yeah, so I did a couple raps, and then I found poetry was the most easy to, to be myself, to be those things, what you've said to me is exactly what I want, that people can, sh- I want to invite people into my pain, sh- share their, uh, to be vulnerable so that they can connect with me, and then we can take it somewhere. Uh, yeah, it's how I pro- exactly how I process it. So things like in life, like grief or hurt, pain, rejection, anxiety is a big one. Um, anxiety is a huge one, uh, and and the words just come, and they're like therapy. And so each poem is almost therapy to me. So that's why I do. It's really good, really good. So you've kind of touched on it already, but I'd like to for us to hear a bit more about your background, really. So when it comes to religion. How were you? How were you both raised, Helen? Um, so, my mum is Roman Catholic. So, from day zero, <laughs> I was part of the Catholic Church and, and brought up in that um, that tradition. Um, so, I'm one of three children. So, at the time that um, my mum and dad had children, my dad would, would go with mum to support, so as a family we'd always go, it would be every Sunday if we couldn't do Sunday morning we were taken out Saturday night um, to get there if we were away the Sunday um, and yeah, wherever we were there was a Catholic church found for us to go to and um, it was, yeah, it was kind of that kind of core and foundation, that tradition so I would say that I've always known about Jesus, I've always known about God, and um, you know these these things that, that that happened, and that's always been a reality for me. Um, so that was how I was brought up. That's great. And is yours similar at all, Jay, or a lot different? <laughs> Absolutely different. I mean, yeah, just completely. So I grew up as a Hindu, and not only just a Hindu, like a like a passionate Hindu. Um, my grandmother would just teach me all the scriptures and to be honest as a kid I was a bit sad you know writing those poems and things uh, I didn't really have that many friends so I just my grandma was my big support really and then um, I did have a lot of uh, uh, yeah just time with her she would read scriptures and I'll try and learn them and then she I'll pray with her and then I'd do all the rituals and the, the, the process because I saw her kind of sensitivity to the to the faith of it and it attracted me 
that this person is feeling emotional about uh, something. So I got the kind of understanding that God is, there's a God. But the connection is, you know, it's rituals, it's doing things, it's doing uh, the beads and the, the, the prayer, and the lighting the candle, the, the diwar, and, and praying, doing a puja, it's called, and you're praying to God in this way and saying chanting and, and things like that. But there's no kind of communication, it's not, not nothing like how I pray now. It's completely, yeah, flipped on its head. So um, I don't want to go, can I keep on going about just, yeah, yeah. I mean, so it's a lot about works. It's about you performing. And for some people, that's a prideful thing as well. So the more you do something, the more kind of prideful you become and the more kind of you're earning something uh, to be holy. Uh, and so if I did these beads and, and things over and over again, I'd feel a bit more holy. I feel like God will answer my prayers. And if I did these sort of, if I wore these religious jewelry, I feel like I'm protected by God because I'm wearing this jewelry. Um, and, and there was a lot of this uh, embedded in, and I was passionate. And then when I got to university age, I, I, I searched it out even deeper. When I was supposed to be doing stuff for my degree, I'd read Hindu texts because I was pushing back on, on, on this is my identity, this is who I am, this is where I've come from. My family, you know, long lineage, my, my surname, Trivedi. Uh, in Hinduism, there's books. There's the Bhagavad Gita is a book, uh, and the Vedas are a book. And my name is like Tri Vedi. It's the third book, the third book of the Vedas. And it goes, my, my ancestors go back thousands and thousands of years. Thousands of years. And, it, and, it, and it's, it's no, no um, how do you call it, small thing what I've done. Yeah. It's no small thing. From, oh, of course, yeah, yeah, Helen knows more about my culture than me, <laughs> which is awesome. Um, yeah, so the caste as well uh, that I'm from is the priesthood caste, the Brahmin caste, and that is like, that is the ultimate caste in Hinduism. Now, in Hinduism, uh, traditionally and spiritually, there's a caste system, and people belong to different castes, and you usually know this by their surname, um, and... Mine was one of the top casts, which is great. And there's also sub-casts as well. And it gets a little bit complicated. And then, but everyone knows who your cast is by your, by your surname. And I was the top cast, and I, I loved it. And even when me and Helen, when we went traveling to India, the guy at the passport office would look at my passport. I'm not, I'm not telling him I've become a Christian yet because he's looking at my surname saying, Trevedi, oh, you can come to my house for dinner. This is the guy in the passport with a miserable face trying to let people in. And he's asking me to come around for dinner because of my surname. Honestly, at the passport desk, they opened an extra like, aisle for the, la- the people at the end of the queue, so we were great. So we jet down here. There's one other family in front of us. We were the last ones out of passport check-in because this guy is just loving having a chat to this, this young man. And it took us ages, didn't it? It did. Just because of your surname. I know. <laughs> I think it might have been the face. Oh, it's definitely it's the face. Cool. It's the face, yeah. Oh no, you friendly. No, that's off. great. That's really good. Um, Helen, almost kind of a similar question that I want to ask you, but I know that from your story that you were a student, and I kind of want to know what differs. Take us through your student days, but also what differs from the way that you were brought up in religion to how your relationship with Jesus is now. So, one of the things I said before was that I knew of God, and I knew like about God but I think it wasn't until in my young adulthood as a student I actually got to know God 
Does that make sense? The difference between a religion that you learn about and all these, the, the, the rituals, the, the, the processes of things, the different rites of passage. And I knew all of that and I knew of this God, but actually I don't know that I, I knew God for me. It wasn't like a, per, you know, a, a person that I, I knew. Um, and there's no way in any relationship that you have that you, you can have any trust until you know someone um, and, and trust grows and as you get to know somebody more you trust them more you, you know any, anyone who's married will know that the first year isn't the best year um, it's great marriage is wonderful but it, it, it gets better and that's a good thing about marriage um, and, and, and trust is part of that and as you get to know somebody yeah, you trust and so that was that was the thing with God as well for me and as a student um, obviously away from home uh, my family live in Cheshire so I moved to Coventry so I was living away from home and I was having these these moments where I had a really good friendship group um, uh, that I was able to move and share different houses with I stayed with the same people who I'd met um, in the halls that I lived in first year and they, they were wonderful girls really great got you back and I'd share a really good time we'd maybe just all get break together to have lunch have this really great time maybe watch a bit of telly together and then it'd be time to go back to our rooms to maybe do some work and as soon as I shut that door I just felt absolutely instantly lonely and I, I could it could have been that I'd just spent the last week entirely on my own that's how lonely I would feel and I just had a wonderful time with four or five people around a table sharing food having a laugh but instantly lonely the moment that door shut and I was in that room on my own and it just got to a point where I realised this isn't this isn't normal. This isn't the the right, a right way to be. Or, or maybe I thought this isn't all life is meant to be. Maybe that's what it was because it is some people's normal, and I acknowledge that. Um, but there's more to life. So that's what made me realise. Hang on a minute. I, I remember hearing about this Jesus, and I remember being told about this God. So I. I looked him. I looked him up, <laughs> and so I went to the Christian Union website, and um, so I'm plugged into kind of the student Christians at the Christian Union at, at uni, and from there I, I started to go back to church. Now I went back to a Catholic church, which happened to be around the corner from where I lived, and I'll never forget one morning. This this is a sign of the type of area that I used to live in when I was a student. I was walking to church, a Catholic church, so a proper church. And this young man was walking down the path opposite me, perhaps stumbling a little bit, and he looked at me and he went, are you working? (laughs) Now, if you know what that means, (laughs) on a Sunday morning, I I just, no, I just shuffled along. But um, that's a sign of where I used to live. Uh, But, uh, so I finished my second year. Um, and I kept going back to the Catholic Church and the Christian Union then when I came back after the summer break I decided I have to find a church for me and that's when I actually um, talked more with my Christian friends uh, my student friends and they invited me to their churches and that's when I first came along to kind of an evangelical Pentecostal I don't know what what word what dominion you'd call (laughs) but um, yeah that kind of seen and that's just brought me more and more into relationship with with God Um, yeah 
Brilliant. And can I just say on the back of that, that's why we're so passionate here about reaching students because the students sat around this room right now and I've had conversations with a couple of you. My story is very similar to, to Helen's and I, I don't believe that that's by chance. The, the fact that students, when the door shuts, when the parties stop, lonely, the loneliness kicks in and actually there's a lot more of that than we realise around here and we're so passionate, we're so, we just want to reach students for, for Jesus, we want to introduce them to the fact that they don't need to be lonely, there's, there's a God there that loves them every single day and you don't have to play up to this or you don't have to do this for God to love you and that, yeah I just felt like I needed to say that but some people, most people I would say kind of have a, an idea of you two in here and if if there's something that would sum you both up is that you, you're attracted to brokenness. And I think, I, I think it was my mum that said once that the reason for that is because we hold the solution, obviously, Jesus. Might be a short answer, it might be a long answer, preferably short because we, we, we're getting quite there, but <laughs> give us a bit of a, an insight into your mind. What goes through your mind when you see brokenness? So <clears throat> I ask God, when I see brokenness, um, God, show me your love for this person. Show, show me what you show me what you see. And uh, I, I know it sounds kind of okay. That's very good, but it's yeah, it's true. It's just show me what you see. Show me why why is this person here? And then I'm really sold on this. Um, uh, you know, there's seven plus billion people in the world, and there's only one new, and yeah. each one's so different. So there's no time to compare and all that stuff. But just that whole everyone's so individual and unique and yeah so I'll say that basically like God show me what yeah who's this person yeah brilliant and I just want to ask one last question actually and this will be to you Jay um, there were people in here who, whose family friends loved ones don't necessarily agree with their decision to follow Jesus um, it might be the thing that's stopping them stepping into all that God has for them uh, it might be the blockage yeah. it might be the fact that your, your reputation will kind of be um, compromised if you step into this relationship with Jesus yeah. for whatever reason what bit of advice could you give to somebody in this room that might be going through that right now oh. <laughs> bless you I, yeah I'll just say like I don't I'm, I'm a monad you ask that question so I can only speak from my uh my heart really um, uh, is a cost and uh, I can speak from my experience it hurt for a time um, but it, the, the, the fruits of what it happens after uh, you know you, you may uh, suffer a bit of rejection at first but believe me it's so worth it oh man I mean I've got Oh, I could just get emotional, but it is so worth it. You do suffer um, the initial rejection. I lost friends and family, um, and uh, at times, and it was it was really tricky. But they saw a change in me. You know, I was uh, just to give you an example quickly, John. I used to smoke nearly forty cigarettes a day, and they saw me quit smoking. They saw me, you know, they seen Helen in my life, and they think, how did she? You know, how did you meet her? <laughs> how did you how did you get with her? So, there's, so there's a lot of fruits, and this is my fruit here. <laughs> it's my fruit. Um, so there's a uh, yeah, there's uh, a lot of. Um, it's it's tough at first, but oh my word, it will just pay. It will just be so worth it. Jesus is so good, and he's so good. 
Oh man. You and just, in, yeah. in your in your experience, there's been restoration yeah, after yeah. time as well. Oh, yeah. So although yeah. particularly like grandmother pushed away because of the closeness she had growing yeah. up around faith as well. Yeah. She really pushed away, didn't she? But yeah. the restoration that came over the years, like and I do I believe God's hand was totally in that. because um, he's a restorer oh, and man. Um, yeah. He's not in the habit of. Um, yeah, he is in the habit of restoring. He yeah. is in the habit of building bridges back, and yeah. um, he's he's not an isolating god. Yeah. He never wants to make. He, he's not a god about war. He's not a god about rivalry, about conflict. He's a god of peace, and yeah, he was definitely in that restoration in your family, like your relationship with your family as well. Um, yeah. So good. Can we thank these two? It's been great. I wonder whether the, the, the band can come up um, uh, as you two find your way back to your seats. That would be really helpful. And as the band come, I wonder whether you could just all just bow your heads, close your eyes. You know, Helen said this thing about um, knowing God, knowing God, and every every single week we want to give people opportunity to know God. And there's a one of my favourite Bible verses. It's in Job 42, and it says this: that my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. And I, my hope is this: that you've seen Jesus through Jay and Helen's story, and. <laughs> it's so easy to see Jesus through their story through the, the way that they communicate and if there's one thing I want for you tonight it's just that your knowledge of Jesus won't be in your head it would go into your heart it would be a decision so I want to give you an opportunity as every head is bowed and every eye is closed maybe tonight it is the time for you to actually step in to actually count the cost as Jay said and not, uh, not be on the on the edge anymore but actually I'm going all in I'm following Jesus with all my might I'm letting go of my reputation I'm letting go of my ego I'm letting go of my pride I know that the, the fruit that will come from this is worth so much more from the things that I'll lose and I wonder whether tonight that might be you so every head is bowed every eye is closed and one of the ways that we we just encourage you to make that response is by a hand in the air and again no one's looking around just me wonder whether that's you tonight just raise your hand up right now